Well, good morning, everybody. So great to have you at church today. Excited to start our brand new series. If you're brand new to BCA, you know, we like to say this, that there are two really, really important people in our church. Far and above, most importantly, Jesus Christ. Amen? But secondly, you, you, you. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and point at him. You, point at him, you. You know, God has a great plan for every one of our lives, and really the focus of our church is helping people find God's dream and focus for their life and try to be an encouragement as they journey on the way to become the people God has called them to be. Uh, I would say it this way, that we believe to our toes that the very best life is the life that God has for us. Have you thought about that lately? Have you thought about what God's dream is for your life? We're going to talk about that here in a uh, few moments. Uh, I want to invite the ushers to come on down as soon as they're uh, ready. They are busy here today. But we have a, a study guide that, uh, that I've written and put together. And uh, we want uh, everybody to just be aware of this. And uh, many of you are leading small groups. If you haven't started a group, I encourage you to pick a pal, find a friend, and say, hey, would you get together with me? And uh, let's study Jonah together. You see the QR code on the screen this uh, study guide is online in digital form, so if there's somebody that lives far away, you can do this study with them, and uh, it'll be very, very uh, impactful. So uh, I encourage all of our small group leaders to make sure you get the books and uh, get started on that here today. There's a verse to memorize every week. I'm encouraging everybody to read through the book of Jonah every week. How many know Jonah only has four chapters? So that's pretty easy. And uh, let's just really master this particular book of the Bible and, uh, and see how God wants to apply it to us. You know, we entitled this Beyond Survival. The reality is there are times in life where we all feel like we're barely surviving. Have you ever said that yourself? People have asked, how are you doing? Well, I'm surviving. Or you've asked somebody, how are you doing? They say, well, I'm barely surviving. You know, God wants more. He wants us to soar. A lot of people sink you know, under their despair, their difficulty, whatever the challenge might be. Life can be hard. Some barely tread water and swim, but God wants us to soar. And that's not cliche. That's really what the Bible tells us. So we're going to talk about that from the vantage point of Jonah here over the course of these few weeks. I encourage you to join me in just really diving in to this study. We're going to talk about the nine waves of life. And we're going to use the book of Jonah and the journey of Jonah to really focus on those. Have you thought about that lately? You know, waves are a metaphor for life. You, you Google it and you can read, uh, you know, forever and ever about how waves and the ocean are really a metaphor for life. You know, waves can pound us down. They can lift us up. We can ride the waves. We can, we can surf the waves. Waves can be uh, magical, and they can be ferocious, and they can be beautiful, and they can be somewhat uh, majestic and even tranquil. But the one thing that I want us to think about is waves are constant. They're relentless. They're predictable. You know they're going to continue to happen. You see them breaking on the shore. If you get way out into the sea, you see them rising and falling. It's really a metaphor for life. We can be pounded down by the waves of life or we can be lifted by them. We can sink underneath them or we can soar above them. And I want us to take some time over the course of these next few weeks to just really ask ourselves some really, really important questions. In fact, the nine waves you see on the very back side of the booklet, and uh, you know, just to tease it out just a little bit, um, 
it starts with a dream. You know, nothing happens really until somebody starts dreaming. You know, what is your dream for your family, for your marriage, for your future? And then decision. Life is one decision after another. You know, our lives become a sum total of our decisions. Bad decisions sink us. Good decisions help us soar. Indecision makes us barely, barely tread water. And you can't do that forever out in the middle of the ocean. Direction. Our life trajectory is set by our dreams and our decisions. Where are you headed? Where's your marriage? Where's your family? Where's your faith? Where's your fitness? Where's your finances? Where's it all headed? Direction. Destination. Our destination is a byproduct of of our dreams and our decisions and our direction. Destiny. Too many people think far too little about the impact and influence they can have in life. You know that God wants to use you? He wanted to use Jonah. He wants to use you and me to make a great impact on the lives of others. Doubt. Anybody ever doubted in life? Ever, anybody ever faced a bout with doubt? Every single one of us. You know, doubt can be very real. Jonah faced that. You know, how can we face the dilemmas and defend our dream against the doubts of life? How about discouragement? Some of you may be here today and say, man, I want to get to that lesson right now because I feel pretty discouraged. We all face discouragement, every single one of us, and some of you might be dealing with that right now. Declaration. You know, we need to live life on purpose, by purpose, and be principled. What did the people in the Bible, the men and women of the Bible do? They lived by purpose and principle, and they made faith declarations. Can't wait to get to that particular message. And then deliverance. You know, there is always light at the end of the tunnel when you're walking with Jesus. It doesn't mean that you never go through a tunnel. It means we always can have hope because of Christ. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. These are the waves that I want to talk about. If you look at them, they're relentless. They're predictable. We can be aware of them. We can learn to navigate them. The Bible shows us how to embrace and navigate them well. And I really encourage you to find somebody to, to join you in this study. Now, Many of you have found the Read Scripture app, and I have uh, that information right on the screen. If you have not downloaded on your phone the Read Scripture app, I encourage you to do it, because I'm going to invite you all to watch the nine-minute video when you go to Read Scripture on Jonah. If I was teaching a 90-minute class, we would watch it together, but uh, I only have a few minutes here today, so I'm going to encourage you to do that on your own. That's all the background, all the detail laid out in exquisite fashion on the book of Jonah. You're going to enjoy the dates, the storyline, the people, the circumstances of each and every chapter, and so make sure, make sure you take a look at Read Scripture. Now, we can learn a lot from Jonah. Let's get into it here today. We can learn a lot from Jonah. In fact, there's a little bit of Jonah in every single one of us. Jonah ran from God. Jonah disobeyed God. Jonah wanted to do his own thing. Sound familiar? We all can identify with that from one time or another. There's a little bit of Jonah in every single one of us. We struggle with our dreams. We move in the wrong direction because of bad decisions. We end up in the wrong place because of those decisions. Doubt creeps in. Discouragement creeps in. And before we know it, we're buried by the cascading waves that are pounding down upon us. There's a little bit of Jonah in every one of us. Hold on to that statement as we work our way through Jonah. I believe that understanding how to embrace and navigate these these nine waves we're talking about 
is absolutely crucial if we're going to experience our very best life. In Jonah 1, 1 through 4, it says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port, and he, paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, you've got to understand kind of the picture here. Uh, Tarshish is in the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. God says, go to Nineveh, and Jonah says, thank you, no, I'm going exactly the opposite direction. Instead of running to God, he ran away from God. Instead of walking with God, he walked away from God as far as he possibly could. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break it up. God says, go. Jonah says, no. You ever done that? There's a little bit of Jonah in every single one of us. God says, I have a dream to save Nineveh and help them soar. And Jonah says, I have a dream that they crash and burn. Judge them. Send them to hell, is basically what Jonah was saying. He hated the Ninevites. He wanted nothing to do with the Assyrians. He had no interest in rescuing these uh, decrepit people. And he let the Lord know about it. He misunderstood God's grace. He had no awareness of God's forgiveness. He didn't have any inkling about the mercy of God. He thought his way was best. He bowed his neck and he fought God. And he flees in the opposite direction. And God teaches Jonah a lesson like we all should learn if we haven't already, that we can choose our choices and make our decisions, but we cannot choose the consequences. If we make bad decisions and we choose poor choices, there's already a consequence that goes with that. And it will lead us in a very difficult way. God had a dream for Jonah. Jonah refused to dream the God dream. And that dream turned into a nightmare. He found himself at the bottom of the ocean. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, he would have stayed there. Now let's jump to chapter 4. We just looked at chapter 1, 1 through 4. Now to the very end of the book, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. So what's happened between chapter 1 and chapter 2? You know, Jonah disobeys God. He's thrown into the drink. He sinks to the bottom of the ocean. God sends the USS Big Fish. How many know of that great vessel? He is rescued. He is spit out on dry land. He then comes to his senses and he thanks God for his mercy. He preaches to the Ninevites and they relent and they turn to God and they are saved and forgiven. And now we come to chapter 4 and he is ticked. God forgave him and had mercy on him when Jonah in his infinite wisdom thought God should destroy him. We laugh at that because we see that we have a little bit of Jonah in us as well. There's times we think we know better than God. Anybody been there? Just me and two others right over here. <laughs> you know, we, we think we know better than God. The audacity of us to even think that. But Jonah thought this was very wrong and he became very angry, verse 1. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord? I told you you would do this. When I was still home, 
I saw this happening. That's why I fleed to Tarshish. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. How many are glad we serve a God who is gracious and merciful? Compassionate, empathetic, loving, kind? Hello, what's wrong with Jonah? Of course we're glad. There's a little bit of Nineveh in all of us as well. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 3, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord, in his patience, if I was God, I wouldn't have had patience like this with Jonah. How about you? He says, is it right for you to be angry? (laughs) The most understated statement in the whole Bible. Because I had mercy, because I was kind, because I was compassionate. Now, we'll talk more about Assyria and the Ninevites later, but just think about this part for right now. God's dream for Jonah was to be a mouthpiece to bring the Ninevites, the Assyrians, to faith. He really didn't want to be involved in that. Jonah's no dream or nightmare was just the opposite. He wanted God to judge him and to kill him and to wipe him out. Again, he bows his neck at God and he wants to fight God and rebel against God. I want you to take a moment for some of you, this will come readily to mind. For others of us, you'll need to reread this afternoon Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. I want you to place in juxtaposition Jonah and Joseph. Jonah and Joseph. Two dudes in the Bible that are about as different as you can imagine. Jonah was all about the anti God dream, Joseph was all about fulfilling God's dream. Jonah was complaining at every turn. Joseph lived his life to defend the dream God had placed in his life. It's a powerful comparison and contrast. And when you have time this week, read verses 1 through 11 of Genesis 37 and compare it to everything you're reading in the book of Jonah. Joseph had every reason to bail on God, every reason to be diverted from God's dream and plan. He had a dream that God was going to use him to rescue his entire people, the nation of Israel. And he knew it as a young man, probably about 17 years of age. And there were all sorts of things that tried to stamp out that dream. But Joseph understood that there would be waves in life. And he was going to learn to navigate them. And not sink beneath them, but soar above them. It's a powerful thing to think about. If you're like me, it's an amazing thing to study the people in the Bible and say, you know, I want to be like them. I want to be a person of great faith like like Joseph. I want to be different than, than Jonah. Defend the dream. Here's a definition for dream that I want you to think about here today. It's God's vision for your future. It's God's vision for your future. Very simple. It's your best life. You say, well, no, I I, want to architect my best life. I want to do it my way, not God's way. That's not going to turn out well. It's always better to go with God than run from God. Just ask Jonah. God's dream for our life is a compelling, better future. It's our best life. 
And I love this verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, which is really the foundation verse for this message here today. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plan to give you hope and a future. Would you read that out loud with me? It's right there on the screen, everybody together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plan to give you hope and a future. God has a dream for your life. He has a dream for my life. And our very best life is to follow God's dream. So let's, in the few moments that we have here today, let's take a look at, at four keys to realizing God's dream for our life. Let's get really, really practical. I know some of you uh, may want to take some notes in that booklet. Others of you just want to listen and kind of take it in. But I hope all of us will apply these Bible lessons to our own life because I think it's very, very applicable. I am applying them to my life, and I find them to be just powerful. They're simple but profound. The first thing is we need to have a dream. You say, Rob, can't you get a little more detailed than that? Can't we get, come up with something more unique than that? You'd be surprised how many people do not have a dream. They don't have a dream for their marriage. They don't have a dream for how to raise their kids. They don't have a dream for their finances. They don't have a dream for their fitness. They don't have a dream for how to deal with uh, forgiveness and broken relationships. They don't have a dream uh, for how to deal with suffering and problems and challenges. The Bible spells it all out. God says, here's my dream for you. Here's how I want you to deal with all those things. The Bible covers every essential need that we have in life. Everything we need to know about, God talks about. The question is, am I on track with where God wants to take me? Joseph had a bold vision. Jonah did not. One ran with God. One, one ran away from God. If you look at page 19 in your little uh, study guide, you'll find that I built a chart in there that I hope you take some time to look at here this week. I hope you take some time to meditate, reflect, pray, give some thought and insight to where you are. I've listed on there nine or ten key dream areas. And I've asked you to write down, you know, what is your dream? And then what's the reality? Where are you right now? And what's the next step That'll kind of get you moving to where you want to go. You say, well, I, I want to get in shape. The reality is I'm out of shape. <laughs> the next step is I need to start exercising and eat better. You know, that, that's the idea. Um, married. You know, my marriage isn't going so great. What's the next step? Maybe you need to come to our marriage class on Wednesday nights. Finances. You know, my finances are really all messed up. Um, maybe you need to follow the Bible principles on on uh, money management. And maybe the next step is to find a financial counselor. We can help you with that. Or, or maybe you want to read a book on Christian finances, Bible finances. You know, what is the dream? I have a dream. I want to raise great kids and help them be successful in life and teach them independence and critical thinking. Well, what's the next step? Where are you right now? What's the reality? And, you know, what's the next step? Would you think about that? Anthony Robles had a vision to be the NC2A wrestling champion. The only problem was he just had one leg. Anybody done much wrestling? I don't know a lot about uh, uh, wrestling other than I uh, grew up with three brothers and I raised three sons. There's lots of wrestling going on. Uh, lots of wrestling. In fact, one of my sons did wrestle for a while. 
But one thing I do know is you need all your extremities. You need all your hands, you need all your legs, you, know, you need everything to, you know, for your advantage. Especially as your boys get older. How many dads know what I'm talking about? You need every advantage you possibly can have. Here's a guy that says, I'm going to win the national championship with one leg. And he did. Unbelievable. He did. Doug Hollis, one of our missionaries, had a dream to reach an island in a generation. The island of Sumba that's on the edge of the known world. When I first traveled there, I thought, I am in the middle of nowhere and no one knows where I'm at and I'm not sure they care. In the end of the known world, he had a dream to reach a generation. God led him to Sumba, Indonesia. Florence Nightingale was fearless. She had a dream to live a life of service, not a life of luxury. And she set up field hospitals in the war zone of Crimea and later systematized care of the sick and the vulnerable. She had a dream. What is your dream for your life? What is your dream for your marriage? Get more specific. What is your dream for each of your children? What is your dream for your finances? What is your dream for your faith? What's that future growth goal that you need to really get focused on? Dream big, dream bold. Dreams are not fantasies or impossibilities. God, I want to grow wings so I can fly. It's not that. They're, they're more realistic. They're more in line with really what we feel in our heart of hearts. We want to have a great marriage, raise great kids, get our finances organized, those kinds of things. Have a dream. What is your dream? Secondly, we need to clarify the dream. God's dream was abundantly clear in Joseph's mind and in his heart. It was abundantly clear. For Jonah, it was foggy and fuzzy. He wasn't even interested in listening to God. He was just interested in doing his own thing. I mean, it was cloudy, cloudy, fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy. Is your dream clear to you? Look at that chart again. Write it down, spell it out, clarify it, pray about it, compare it to Scripture. Somebody once said, things disentangle themselves when they pass from the lips through the fingertips. Get a pad of paper and write out your dreams. Get on your keyboard here, your laptop, and and type it out. Take some time, invest, meditate, reflect. I guarantee you this, that if you apply the lessons from this series with diligence and specificity and intentionality, you will experience God's best life. Think about that. That's a profound statement, and I can say it knowing that these principles come right from God's word. It's God's ideal plan for you and me. But in the work that I do, I meet lots of people, and I find far too few embrace the ways of life, let alone navigate them effectively. Martin Luther King had a dream. We all know the speech. We've all heard it over and over again. I have a dream. I have a dream. It was clear. It wasn't fuzzy. It wasn't foggy. Racial equality. He was all about that. It wasn't a pipe dream. It wasn't a fantasy. It wasn't a, well, I hope it works out someday. I've got nothing else to do. No, it was his life mission, and he was willing to die for it, and in fact, he did. Are you serious about the most important areas of your life? Maybe you are here today and you say, I need to get serious about seeing my marriage improve, my family strengthen, uh, my faith get off the ground, my financial course corrected, uh, my integrity restored or retained, God's vision and dream realized, 
Jonah's no dream and Joseph's God dream. Hold those in juxtaposition. One was clear, one was completely confused. Joseph got it right, Jonah got it wrong. You know, like with Jonah and like with Joseph, God wants to reveal his story through you and me. He wanted to through Jonah and and it kind of got there at the end a little bit. And certainly it did through Joseph. And God wants to reveal his story, unveil his story to others through you and me. The question we need to ask is, am I willing to be a part of God's plan? And a lot of it comes down to clarifying, clarifying the dream. The call said, I want to build a house of hope for kids on the island of Sumba. That became a very specific, intentional goal. And he gave his life to do that. Florence Nightingale said, I want to leave my life of luxury and work in the battlefield among the sick and dismembered. Take a look at that list of nine or ten things that we talked about earlier. Tease those out. Write those out this week. And then, and then look at them in 3D. Look at them in three different dimensions. Dreams. Details. Deadlines. This is my dream. These are the details of that dream. And these are the deadlines. This is when I'm going to get started. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to read that book on finances. I'm going to go to that marriage class. I am going to get started now. 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 No more delay. Is your marriage sinking? Is your faith struggling? Are your finances out of alignment? Have a dream. Clarify the dream. This is powerful principles for every organization, every family, every person, every church, every one of us. Number three, share the dream. Get some people around you that you can begin to talk about what God's laid on your heart and the dream you have for your life. This is one of the big reasons at BCA you always hear us talk about community, community, community. Get plugged into community. And here this week, many of our small groups are getting started. There are 40 different groups or classes you can be a part of. Uh, many of them are studying the book of Jonah. Some are studying some other things. Get plugged in, be plugged in. You know, build some friendships, build some camaraderie, get people around you, share your dream, hear their dream. Why do we do that? Well, because it, it helps lead to accountability. We kind of step out. Earlier this year, I shared, you know, 20 initiatives for our church. I shared it with our deacon, shared it with our, our staff, and shared it with the church a few weeks ago. And part of that is, this is what God's laid on our heart. Let's go step out in faith. And, and you know, we're not shy about, let's do this. Let's do this for the glory of God. Share your vision. Share your dream. Find some people around you. Get together with a small group who will pray for you and encourage you. Go to the website and you'll see all the groups and all the classes. If you don't know where to start, I teach a class every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and another one every Wednesday night at 6.30. Come to my class and we'll talk about it and help find the exact right fit for you. I would love, love, love to get better acquainted and help you any way I possibly can. So we begin to share. What is God saying? And it moves us down the path and it builds in that accountability and builds in that camaraderie. You say, just share it with anybody? Well, you might want to be selective. Remember, Joseph shared his dream with his brothers, and that didn't turn out too good. How many know that story? So you want to be a little selective. Um, but, you know, find some like-minded people. You know, get in one of these groups or classes that I'm talking about. There's room for everybody, everybody. If we get too many, we'll start more. 
40 different opportunities right now. Get plugged in. Dreaming and realizing our dream is going to involve risk. And part of that risk is building bridges to other people that will help build in accountability. You may not be familiar with the name Richard Stearns, but his story is a powerful one. He was a very well-paid and uh, impressive CEO of Linux China. But he always felt in his heart that God had laid on him a dream to uh, stamp out world hunger and, and care for kids and fight the AIDS epidemic. And one thing led to another, and God fulfilled that dream by making him CEO of World Vision. And God used him in a way to do the very things that God had laid upon his heart. It started with a dream. It started with a dream. Doug Hollis rallied a support team to help him go live and build the House of Hope. It took a lot of people, a lot of resources, a lot of support. Richard Stern had his support group. Doug Hollis had his support group. Florence Nightingale found like-minded medical people who similarly wanted to serve in the same fashion she did. It usually takes a group. Surround yourself. If you don't have enough, step into some of these groups or classes and, and allow those people to build you up and encourage you. Ride the wave, the dream wave. Navigate it well. Have a dream. Clarify a dream. Share a dream. Find a support team. Joseph was really, really good about building team around him. Jonah was terrible. He was a loner. It's kind of like the quip. Have you, have you read this or heard this before? Some people are like clouds. When they go away, it's a brighter day. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> Jonah was the Eeyore of his time. You know, everything's miserable. I'm lousy. You're lousy. Let's just jump in the ocean and die. Wow, what a great outlook on life. Have a dream. Clarify the dream. Share the dream. And then finally, die for the dream. Jonah was willing to die for the anti-God dream, really. He's running away from God, wanting everything opposite. He's willing to die for that. That's not the idea we're talking about. We're talking more about Joseph. Joseph literally was willing to die for what God had laid on his heart. That is to be used of God to help save God's people. It's a profound comparison, these two. Joseph was young and bold. He was courageous. He could have died, if you remember his story, he could have died in a pit, in prison, at the hand of Potiphar, or Pharaoh, or the slave owners, but he was concerned about one thing. This is what I want you to get right now. He was concerned about one, one thing, and that is he wanted to faithfully fulfill God's dream for his life. How about you, and how about me? We never always are on track with fulfilling God's dream for a life because we get off track from time to time and we need to recalibrate and get back on track. Maybe that's you here today. You said, you know, I was going good and then I lost my way. I need to get back on track. Are you willing to die for the dream God's given you to build that great marriage, to raise those great kids, to build that great family, to grow an incredible faith? Are you willing to die for that dream that's outlined beautifully in Scripture? George Washington had a dream. You know his story well. I find it interesting to just kind of read and reread 
some of the history. And, of course, the crossing of the Delaware on December 25th, 1776, where George Washington leads a surprise attack on the British and the Hessians in Trenton, New Jersey, is just iconic. It's what turned the Revolutionary War in favor of the colonial Americans. But what a lot of people fail to think about is that Washington was outgunned, outmanned, under-resourced. His soldiers weren't that well-trained. Many of them didn't even have boots. They're walking through the snow, fighting gangrene. I mean, it's just miserable, 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 miserable. Inferior weaponry, inferior officership, little food. It's just brutal. And Washington just came to a point. You remember this. He said, victory or death. This is it. We're going to die. This is, we have nowhere else to turn. We're not turning back. This is it. We either win or we lose. This is it. So he goes across the river. They march. Did he have a bold dream? You better believe it. Did he clarify it? He did. Did he share it? They all knew about it. And he was willing to die for it, victory or death. And he kept moving toward that dream. He kept moving. He kept moving. He kept moving. Joseph lived a life trusting God and kept moving to fill God's purposes. Jonah, not so much. There's an interesting side note about George Washington's story that many of you probably are aware of, and that is the danger of stopping and not continuing toward the dream. Two soldiers, you remember this? Stopped to rest on their march to Trenton and froze to death. Don't stop. Keep working. You say, I failed. You know, my marriage isn't what I thought it would be. Don't stop. Keep working on it. Take the class, read the books, get into the Bible, find counseling. Let's go, let's go, let's work on this. God wants to help us. God has given you a dream, he's given me a dream. Let's live our lives to fulfill that dream. Let's be willing to die for that dream. Raise great kids, yeah, nothing's more important. Get our finances on track, build our faith in a way that pleases God, absolutely, and much more. Don't get distracted either. Remember the story of the officer in charge of the other side? When George came across, he was getting up to take on the, the British and the Hessians. And the officer in charge was Colonel Rawl. And he was handed a note by a shivering loyalist that he just shoved in his pocket. He didn't want anything to uh, disturb him from all the festivities and celebrations of Christmas. He didn't read it. Then all of a sudden, the attack began. He jumps on his horse. He's wounded. They drag him into a Methodist church. As he's dying, somehow, someway, as the story goes, he pulls out the slip of paper, and what did it say? The American army is marching on Trenton. Distracted. Keep your eyes on the prize. Doug Hollis gave his life to serve the people of the island of Sumba. He built and ran the House of Hope, rescuing children, throwaway kids, giving them hope and a dream. Girls with no future other than to be sold to an old man as a wife were now given the opportunity to dream their dream for their life and go to school and become something special. BCA became a part of working with the House of Hope through our Global Church Partnership Program eight or so years ago, and almost every year send teams. We're really excited to send another team this coming summer to help build the dormitory, an additional dorm at the House of Hope, do medical clinics and all of that. Doug Hollis recently passed away a few years ago, and now others are carrying on that vision. Florence Nightingale became 
an English social reformer, a statistician, and the founder of modern nursing. What is your dream? What is your dream for your marriage, for your family, for your kids, for your grandkids, for your faith, for your relationships, for your future? Don't let anything derail you, distract you, or deny you of doing what God has laid on your heart. Have a dream, clarify a dream, share the dream, and be willing to die for that dream. The things we're talking about are the most important things of life. God has a dream for you and for your life in all of these areas. Ride the wave. Rise above the waves. Soar above the waves. Live your very best life. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, what we're talking about here today is just so important. I hope, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will help it sink into everybody. God, I just hope that people won't leave saying, well, that was, that was kind of cool, and, and then move on. God, I pray that this week we will take time to really focus, 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 focus on the areas in our life, Lord, that, that we need to focus on. God, remind us that we all have a dream. May we clarify it, share it, and, and go all out in fulfilling it. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one really looking around, everybody just kind of thinking about their own life. How many would say, Pastor Rob, there's something, you know, I just need to get serious about God's dream for my life in one area or another. You know, some of the things we talked about today, I just need to get serious about those. I need to focus on God's dream for my life. If that describes you, would you just lift your hand to heaven just as a, a confession? God, I, I need to get serious about some things, whatever it might be. It might be fitness. It might be faith. It might be your marriage. It might be your family. Just hold it high. Quite frankly, probably all of us, my hand's up. God, help me get more effective and impactful and, and uh, walk with you more faithfully in various areas of my life the very, very best life for you and me. It's God's dream for us. The very best marriage, the very best raising of children, the very best order of finances, the very best faith journey as a disciple and follower of Christ. God has a dream. With every head bowed, how many would raise your hand and say, Pastor Robert, one of the things I need to get really serious about is my faith. I want to I recommit my life to Jesus Christ. Would you just raise your hand all over this place? I want to I just recommit my life to Christ. Friends, that is a noble, noble prayer request. Just raise your hand. Know that God sees you. I ask you to raise your hand just as a, as a step of faith. Just say, hey, I identify with that. I, that's something I feel God is stirring in my heart. God bless you. How many are here and say, Rob, the reality of all of this is true. I get it. I get it. But I'm a bit blinded right now because I'm going through a really, really hard situation. And I feel like I'm being distracted. I feel like God's dream for my life is being denied. 
and I just need to make it through. Would you pray for me that God will help me make it through this hard, hard season? If that's you, would you just raise your hand all over this place? Yeah. Yeah. Hard circumstances have a way of distracting us. Lord, you see our hands, but God, more importantly, you know our hearts. You know exactly where we're at. None of this is a mystery to you. But Lord, we want to walk with you. We want to partner with you in this. God has his part. He has a great dream for our life. Lord, you do. We have a great dream for our life. But there's a part that we need to play. We need to step out like Joseph, unlike Jonah, and we need to walk with you, run with you, run to you. Live life in coordination and partnership with what you envision for us. May we not settle for less. May we not be stifled by the challenges of this life, but may we choose to soar, not sinking, not barely swimming and treading water, but soaring above it. May we do more than barely survive. May we thrive. May we May we truly become diligent and focused on living the life that God has called us to live. There is no better life to live. I pray, Lord, for all my friends that are here today, those that are new, those that are part of our church family every week. God, we all, or most all of us, are praying that same prayer. God, help us, help us live out the God dream in our life. Help us have a dream. Help us clarify it, help us share it, and help us be willing to go all out, even dying for it. God, I thank you for everybody that's here. I pray your blessing would rest upon each person, each family, and we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Listen, there's a connection card in front of you that I would love for you to fill out before you leave. You can drop in the black box before you leave. If you'd like me to pray with you about your commitment to Christ or anything else that you're walking through, I would really love to have that. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a closing song. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down. And if you'd like special prayer, uh, we would love to pray with you just before we leave. Let's sing this final song, then we'll be dismissed. God bless you.